286. I'm your host, Mike Apps, aka that guy that's always fucking playing Destiny. And with me as always. Just waiting for the little busters in Burning Master. I don't understand that reference. <laughs> it is a reference to a song from uh, early aughts anime Foodie Foodie. Uh, when we can't sing the anthem. So how goes the Pokemans? Uh, I am on Gym 7. Uh, nice. Star badge. Poor, poor Star badge is obtained. And two. Uh, no, wait, not. Four Titan badges obtained and two Star badges. So nice. that's been going fun. Uh, going at that like I'm killing cats. <laughs> It's real good. No, it's uh, beyond good. And in fact, I've been thinking about it. I think it may be my RPG of the year. Yeah, that's fair. Fair cop. Like, uh, I know everyone's going to pick Elden Ring, but uh, I think this is better. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like this better. Yeah, me too. I did not have nearly as much fun with Elden Ring as I have had with this. Which isn't to say Elden Ring is bad, but... No, not at all. It did not take me by surprise the way that this did. No. It's a weird feeling to have with Pokemon. It doesn't happen that often. <laughs> no, I mean, I was expecting, yeah, good Pokemon, they... you know, good stuff. And, they've, and Pokemon's had a really good year thus far, because Legends was also really good. But yeah. I wasn't sure that this would still be fresh, given that Legends was also very fresh, but... No, this is different and better. <laughs> And you know, all the press was about, eh, it's got performance issues. But not only have I not really seen that, aside from one crash, I don't care. <laughs> I'm too, having too much fun to, to give a shit. I have had plenty of performance issues, but I, I do not care. Yeah. Like, they've never made the game a problem to play. Nope. That's all that matters. No, uh, open the open world design fits Pokemon perfectly, and I think we talked about this before. How like problem for me with a lot of open world games is yeah, there's a big open world, but there's not necessarily a reason to explore. Whereas Pokemon, it's like, oh, this cool little nook and cranny I just found could have a rare Pokemon, and in fact, that has happened. That's how I found my Charcadet. Mm -hmm. I was just wandering into this little alcove, and the, there was the little guy right there. Yeah, they seem to spawn unusually often. Everywhere. Yeah. But yeah, like it's it's there's always like a way there's a built-in way to incentivize like exploring. It's like they might have just made this rare mon only appear here, basically. Yeah. And uh, honestly, I can't wait to see what they do with um, DLC for this too. Yeah, because like the the DLC for Sword and Shield is very impressive, and this has a lot more space to put DLC. Yeah, 
but uh, yeah, no, I've been like one of the things that I've uh, found interesting is that uh, the the open world and the way that they like worked out that like oh we can we we can split like the core concepts of a Pokemon campaign uh, into like three parallel campaigns that allow you to sort of go at them in whatever order makes sense to you. Yeah. Because you have the eight gym badges, which are always the core MacGuffin of a Pokemon game. And then you have the uh, the Titan badges, which are part of their own separate campaign, but you're going to go after them once you've gone after any of them because you realize that that's how the game rewards you with more movement capacity. Yep. Traversing the world a lot easier. And uh, there's there's definitely places I can think of where it's like, I don't know how... I, I think it's possible to technically do all the eight gym badges without ever touching the Titan content, but I don't know how you do it. Yeah, I'm not sure. It, there's, there's definitely parts where you would spend a lot of time and pain searching out a way to go things by hoofing it. <laughs> uh, and then uh, the, the star badges, which uh, are interesting for uh, just bringing in like an entirely different mode of... They, they, they kind of emphasize the, the ready-and-go, let's-go mechanic where you just toss out a Pokemon and let it go do what it will. And you know that that gives you the, the it's it's them attempting to imbue the battle with a sense of scale that's not really possible in a traditional like the mechanics say these are six on six battle mm. so your your Pokemon are all going just going ape shit uh, beating the hell out of like essentially a million Team Rocket grunts <laughs> and you know that's it gives them a sense of scale and spectacle and they, they give you the least in terms of like necessary plot shit. They do, they do open up new TMs that you can craft, which gives you more excuse to fight Pokemon that you haven't caught or that you have caught, I should say. Uh, there's, there's all sorts of things that are designed to make the, the gameplay loop function a little more in this open uh, context. Like I finally got armor rouge today. And the, the way you get that is that there's like, there, there's a town, a town that is entirely optional. I've wandered past it the first time without realizing it was there. <laughs> but it has uh, a, du a dude and it's just like, yeah, uh, like this is metal working down. He's like, yeah, I got this weird item if you want it, but you better give me some chunks of bronze ores. It's like, well, that's a little morbid. I don't know how you get those, but. <laughs> yep, for uh, me, you, I had to know, get chunks of synesty yeah the, the, to get Surya Ledge you need to do that you're going to need to get me a Surya Ledge at some point but sure. Uh, but yeah um, in general uh, you need to approach them uh, it, you know like it gives you an excuse to like oh you just you just beat up Bronzongs and they'll usually drop more than one so getting ten of them is not a difficult process something that you have to think about a bit uh but you know it, it 
it gives you that excuse to like even if you're not finding where you're trying to go you're still getting stuff and that's useful uh they've gone back to they've finally gone fully back to tms are a one-time use item yeah but now you can craft them and so i'm less irritated at that <laughs> and honestly i have not actually used any tms yet I've used a few, uh, just because you'll have Pokemon that have like good stats and a good type, but like they don't have good moves of their type or something like that. But yeah. they by luck. So I've used a few for that. Um, I'm sure once I get to the uh, the Pokemon League, I'll probably end up using a few. But in general, like uh, TMs are replenishable. You get more access to TMs. Uh, as you pursue the Team Star storyline. Uh, but it's, it's just uh, one, one of the things I appreciate about it, as someone who grew up uh, immersed in Pokemon, is that uh, so traditionally the way that you, uh, when you get to a gym in Pokemon, it's a dungeon. It's always, it, like, it's basically a dungeon. That's, that's the design. Uh, but since so much of this game is wandering around, essentially like a giant dungeon uh instead uh the gyms are are, are basically bre primarily breaks from combat where you'll do like weird mini games that ultimately reminds me of like watching the show as a child where like they would just have uh they would just have ash do some completely inane ta inane task in order to <laughs> get to fight the gym leader it's like oh this feels like uh feels like i'm playing the anime yeah, they, better than that sounds. <laughs> they remind me a little bit of uh, some of the elements of the totem talent challenges in Sun Yeah, they, they, they reminded me a bit of that. As Although well. those had a lot more battling, but yeah, similar <laughs> kind of idea. Meanwhile, the first uh, the first gym that I think most people will end up running into is one where you just uh, where you're just told get this giant seed into from point A to point B, <laughs> and uh, it, the game, the, the seed is not breakable, and it reacts in the most physics fucked way imaginable. Hilarious <laughs> to try to push this thing. Uh, but you know, it's it's just a lot, it's just a lot of fun. Uh, the writing is shockingly good too. Yeah, yeah, it's it's got a lot of it's got a lot of heart to it. Yeah, which helps a lot. Especially the the Titan storyline, which uh, yeah, I don't want to spoil anything, but yeah, it's good. It's yeah, I'm looking. I'm even, looking forward to seeing. Yeah, to even, seeing where that goes. Even the Team Star storyline, you notice pretty early on that like, oh, these aren't just bad guys. There's like, there's a whole thing going on here, and it's yeah, uh, certainly to start with. Small. I don't know where it goes naturally. Certainly to start with. Team Star is probably the least threatening team thus yeah. far. And as you go along, you find out, oh, they're not really supposed to be threatening. Yeah, they're, they're, they're troubled children. Yes. Uh, um, but yeah, this is, this is not the game. Listen, I love Pokemon. This is not the game I expected to just kind of be my RPG of the year. And that's, you know, I haven't a lot of Xenoblade 3 left, so... That, that uh, could still sneak in there, but, like, the fact that this is, like, quite possibly it... it yeah, it's, it's shocking, yeah. Because, like, it, 
like it's worth noting that like it's harder for something to be your game of the year when you already know exactly what it's gonna be. Right. Even if what that is is great. Right. Even if what that is is like perfectly executed. Like once you know what it's gonna be, it, it can't take you off guard the way that like the things I think of as game of the year tend to do. And like that's that's the magic of something like this where it's like it's it it, it can take me off guard more because I you know yeah. I'm used to what Pokemon normally is. This yeah. is more. <laughs> yeah, I'm used to a throwaway story, except for a few exceptions. Yeah, you get your not really getting that here. <laughs> and good stuff here. Um, Eating well. Used to being pretty linear, and although I'm by choice choosing a pretty linear path, I'm also constantly wandering off the beaten path, looking at shiny objects. Feeling, yes really excited like one of the things that i think is really just makes this and legends joyous is that because they went with because it's open world and like all these different environments are out, because the pokemon are you know visible encounters you just get to see them being weird animals a lot more. yeah <laughs> like you just like there. It has reached a point where I feel like Psyducks are in every body of water more so than any kind of fish. <laughs> like just there will always be Psyducks, and like eventually it feels like this is a joke. This is a joke being told through the mechanics because Psyduck is in this fucking glacial river yeah. and does not care because it is just that stupid. Uh, and I saw somebody. Uh post like a video they saw a shiny Voltorb and tried to go and catch it and it just blew up oh, no <laughs> those fucking things they are so hard to catch not because yeah. they're like strong components but it's like before you could even get into a fight the second they see you they're so pissed off they just explode <laughs> and like like whether whether a Pokemon is going to be easy to pick a fight with or even if it will try to pick a fight with you it's very is is entirely species dependent which is really fun like you run into Tauroses and it's just like, oh god, these things are going to just all individually try to charge me because they're assholes and that's what they do. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like, you run into a ton of other, like, you'll run into, like, deerlings and they're like, oh, these things aren't going to try to pick a fight. They're very easy to accidentally wander into because they're curious and they just sort of skitter around. <laughs> and, like, there's just a lot of that kind of attention to detail that they just you know, and you know, oftentimes the like they they'll be loyal to these Pokedex descriptions that they've had for years and years and years. It'll be like this is where they're usually found. If you if if there's ever been like a reference to like it's usual something's usual habitat in a game, that where they're going to show up in Scarlet and Violet is going to reflect what was said about where they were. <laughs> and it's like oh, that's really cool. Like it's just. It, it, it's it really like plays off of uh, just all of the accretion of like well we cared about we cared in the past about what these were going what these creatures were as creatures as opposed to just game mechanics and so that pays off when you start putting them in a game where they can act like creatures but yeah uh, two so thumbs good. up yeah <laughs> all the thumbs up. Need more, more thumbs. Need more. 
need to invent more thumbs to give it more thumbs up. People need to know about the can eat more. <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's it's very good and um anyone that tuned into our Sunday night shenanigans saw three of us wandering around the same world together. Having that's a good time. Just a lot of fun in just wandering around someone else's world and occasionally like this, someone's like, Hey, you wanna do a terror raid? It's like, oh, yeah. yeah, I'll do a terror raid. Yeah. <laughs> And we yeah, didn't really I, have any technical issues at all. Yeah, no, it just ran. It just yeah. ran just fine. There's no disconnects, no drops. Like, yeah. What was I going to say? There's. <laughs> when my friend traded me, like, this really high level Pokemon they found, they, uh. They fucking, like, were like, oh, I'm going to show you all my Pokemon. And I was just, like, seeing all of the, like, I didn't even realize this because I never tried it, but if you. If you send a Pokemon out uh, in like Let's Go mode and don't do anything, eventually it will fall asleep, and every single one has a unique fallen asleep animation. <laughs> and so, and they're all unique to the, they're all specific to what they are, and they're all uh, adorable, even if the monster itself is horrifying. <laughs> like the tumbleweed ghost thing. I know that I hate you're that deeply thing. upset by the topic. I don't. It's just. It's, it's deeply unsettling. I don't know what the hell <laughs> it is. It bothers you on like a primal level. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What the fuck? I, I just. I, I love. I, I, it's, it's nice to, to love a Pokemon game again. Like, yeah. Not just like have a great time with it, but like, oh, I love this game. It, yeah. Like I, I was mentioning to Wheels before we started. Uh, recording the I am at the I, I, I haven't been as attached like I've played plenty since then but I haven't been as attached to one since like black and white and you know I, I fucking love black and white and that's the last time that one was able to just completely surprise me yeah. in that case because they had made it so that there were absolutely no old monsters you could not use any of them <laughs> And you know that was that was not a trick they could ever pull again because black and white had more new monsters than any other generation, and it will never be tops. Yeah, they had not started doing forms yet. There were no forms of old monsters that you could pull in. It was just uh, they just made like a hundred and sixty new monsters, uh, beating out the original one fifty one in. Uh, red and blue uh for like the most monsters that had ever been added it's just like it was it was fun to see something new around every corner and just the the paradigm shift and the much more the completely different way it makes you think of the world uh really does that again just for like the environment and mechanics it's, it's just fun to play a pokemon game with like this huge sense of verticality like you'll yeah. <laughs> get to the top of a mountain just like glide off it if you've got the right uh, Titan badge. And it's just the things that you can see when you, like, all the places you can go. You can get to places that it's like, huh, I, I would not have thought you were supposed to be able to do that. And, like, it was probably contributed to the technical uh, problems that it has. Oh, it's just, sure. Oh, everything has to be solid now. Everything yeah. has to have a way to react when you run into it. And that's... Uh, that, that's, that, that produces a lot of additional calculations. 
you do not have to <laughs> otherwise. There's a, a, a lot of, for, for anyone who's never had to sit down and program something, a lot of programming is figuring out what you're allowed to assume. Yeah. Uh, yeah and then nice. QA has to test all that. <laughs> yep. Good luck with that. Yeah, just just a wonderful having having a wonderful yeah. time with it. No, and I think that that co-op game is really something I was hoping they they would do since the uh the Let's Go games where they had that little two-player mode. Yeah, they've been they've been trying to sort of like work out what kinds of things you can do with co-op Pokemon. Yeah. Pokemon has had uh, you know multiplayer built into it from the off, but like there was only so much. Like you could you could fight your friend or you could trade Pokemon with your friend, but you couldn't really play Pokemon with your friend. Yeah, and that just wasn't a thing to do. <laughs> and with little kids that don't that kind of need help with the game, like. I think that's this is going to be a godsend to parents that want to play Pokemon with their kids, where they can just adventure around, show them where to go, do. It's just so cool. Maybe eventually yeah. I'll have a kid interested in Pokemon again, since they've all <laughs> forsaken me. <laughs> I'm sure they'll be back in a year or two. Probably. By then, the DLC will be out. So. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's just it's. It's it's utterly enchanting. Yeah. And uh, I, I got nothing but nice things to yeah. say about it. Like yeah. people, people, people could sit there and tell me like, but it has this type, like it's all this pop in. But the frame rate, what? Can't hear you. Too busy catch Pokemon. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. It's like the the technical issues are not egregious enough to stop me from having fun playing the game and that's what I care about. Yeah. Yeah, these are everything the, else is secondary. These are the sorts of things that people always told me about Skyrim and it, where I was like, "Oh, but you know, the game bugged out in the opening section. I had to completely remake my character and that fucking sucks." And this has nothing as bad as that. Yeah, it's just it just everything that you are likely to run into is something that you will see within five minutes of looking at a video, and like if that's fine, then go nuts because that's the worst of it. Yeah, and some of the weirder, like weird, stretchy stuff like that is mostly people fun. sharing the same one or two video. Yeah, they're just funny. I can see where some of them came from. Uh, there's like one that's like it seems to be attached to the heart gesture. Like you do the you make heart make a heart with your hands gesture. Yeah. That I can a hundred percent see how that happens because it's like what'll happen when I saw like footage of this is that like you would do the heart gesture and your hands would like uh yeah they would they would make the heart gesture and then they would switch to another gesture and then one would like one hand would go where it's supposed to and then the other would abs would. <clears throat> go in entirely the wrong direction but if, you, if you're looking at it it's like oh it's just it's mirroring what the other one's doing there's some sort of flag being set that one side is mirroring the other that's not being unset like the, one this is not a problem bug but two it's also one of the easiest things to fix on yeah uh, but yeah like it's and like even even if it never got 
performance patches that continue to this level of performance for like I've been playing it for dozens of hours already. And yeah. I've been having a ball. I don't see like I I have no concern about like but it could have run better. And it doesn't matter because what it is is still wonderful. Even noted performance curmudgeon, friend of the show and often on this show, Smoke and Joe, I have not heard him complain about the performance. Yeah, that's like he, knows, he notices it, but he's yeah. just having a lot of fun, so it yeah. doesn't matter. We all we all ran around catching Pokemon on something. It's like, oh man, this is just. I, I can only imagine like how much the like a lot of children are going to have some of their fondest memories fucking playing. Yeah. This oh man, the generation of kids where this is their first Pokemon. Uh, I think Pokemon to them. This is going to be. Uh, that's going to be. A, Big generation of Pokemon fans. Yeah, me and someone else were joking that uh, the like, when Gen fourteen rolls around and the kids who grew up with this are going to be like this new generation is bullshit. <laughs> and it's like yep, that's the way of the world. Yeah, but it's it's one of those things. I I hope they understand how good they got it. This game is this game is something special. Oh my god, can we can we get the inevitable black and white remake in this engine? Oh my god. I am Oh um, my god. I don't think I'm ready for that. <laughs> like I would, I would lose my absolute uh, fucking shit. Yes. I I would really like a remake for that cuz I have had problems going through that for uh because of the lack of something I complained about, because oh, this makes this game too easy, and now I, I want it. I want, I want it's, experience it's, yeah, share. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's wild, because, like, the 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 origins of the EXP share are the original Pokemon Red and Blue, and no one fucking used it, because uh, if you had the EXP all, it caused... It, it meant the game had to sit there scroll through text for every Pokemon <laughs> to say like, oh, this Pokemon got 100 experience, and this Pokemon got 100 experience and like, we, we are worlds apart from that, where like you'll just, like, uh, in the after battle screen, you'll see like, oh, three of my Pokemon leveled up, and the game's not gonna bother me about that unless any of them have moves to learn yep <laughs> or if one of them's evolving or whatever also, can I just say how much I love them Paying off the lore uh, with Annihilate, one of the new. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so for those for those unaware, uh, one of the new Pokemon is a uh, is an evolution to Gen One Pokemon Primeape. Uh, Mankey and Primeape were pretty un like largely uninteresting uh, fighting types. Uh, that you know, like they, they weren't bad, but then it's just like you're a big monkey and it punches you, whatever. But their their Pokedex entries were always that they were the most pissed off things imaginable. They were angry about everything at all times. Uh, I want to say that one of them was basically like it uh, fucking like it rages until it tires itself out, and then its dreams its dreams are so angry they wake it back up. It's, it's, it's like that was the entire thing. And eventually, one of the Pokedex entries said that sometimes it gets so angry it fucking dies. Uh, <laughs> Like it gets so angry that it dies, uh, and that's the only time that it looks like it's at peace. Uh, and for the longest time, that was just lore. I was just like, there was a lore thing that said sometimes, 
sometimes primates get so angry they just die. Uh, I guess they just have a rage aneurysm or something. It's horrible. But the thing is, uh, in Scarlet and Violet, there is a this is a fairly obscure method of evolution. But if you if you know this lore and you see uh, and you put the pieces together, there is a new evolution for primate. It's finally a three stage Pokemon called Annihilate, and it goes from being a fighting a, just a fighting type to being a ghost fighting type. Just weird. Because I guess I guess it did just fucking die. <laughs> and that's so it's it's so great that they could like that is like Pokemon Red and Blue came out in nineteen ninety six. That is a uh, red and green in Japan that came out in like February nineteen ninety six. That is a that is like a brick joke. Twenty six years in the making. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I've really liked the the new Pokemon designs in general. Uh, it's just generally like they they're just firing on all cylinders this year. Yeah, again. yeah. Fucking Legends Arceus was great too, and it's it's. I, I was worried when I heard like I, I was interested in the normal traditional Pokemon game but I wasn't sure if they could make it feel sufficiently different from what they've done in Legends they do feel just like completely different games yeah no they even absolutely they, do even though they share a lot of DNA it's like no you would not you would not conflate or mistake these for each other uh, and uh, yeah and I even then honestly I hope they keep making like a legends quote-unquote sub-series because yeah yeah i feel think like there's legends, a lot more they can do there yeah i feel i feel like legends is the first i i, I mentioned this when it was new but it felt like the first spin-off that they had done that uh felt like it had legs to be explored the same way that they've explored the main games yeah where you could you could keep making one of these every two years and there's enough to do with both that you could really uh do something you, you could keep doing wild things and, and like you know it gives them that experimental room to do things but like yeah well if you do that mainline pokemon it doesn't feel like mainline pokemon anymore well we have this other thing that has its own identity that is strong enough and distinct enough that you can make changes to it and it still feels like the same spin -off. yeah and as much as i like mystery dungeon games i think that sub-series has kind of run its course it's it's cute but it's also holy hell! It's a, it is it is a dangerous combo to make a mystery dungeon game that is extremely talky. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I, I think uh, I think Legends is is the way to go for their like yeah spin off series for sure. And I think if they keep going with like the little those smaller open areas, it's not gonna like cannibalize be, right, and it's not gonna be just like a strain on their resources either yeah and, and the other thing is that if, if that's what they do then they they're in less of a position that they per se need to like oh well we have to have uh the next generation like, like they can push out the next generation a little because like if, if you have a legends game that's like a half step like they can introduce new pokemon but without like going completely to like this is the new generation of pokemon yeah just, just, uh, it's, it's been a, it's been a very good year for Pokemon. Yeah, and and they've also they've also recently pushed out the beta for the new TCG app. 
Oh, nice. Which is pretty nice. <laughs> I did get rid of trading, which I guess kind of... Well, it's a shame, but it's also not a shame because they now, like, when you get duplicates, you get a crafting thing. So instead of having to try and trade with other people, you can just craft the cards you need. It's also, it's also a little, like, the, the danger with trading was always that it's, it's children. And, yes, and it also created kind of a shady second-hand market. Yeah, it became very cards. essentially sell them. Oh, like, yes, I have bought some. <laughs> yeah, like, it's just basically like, you, you give me money and I will trade a common for this actual thing that I want. <laughs> so, so, yeah, that that's nicer. It's got an actual ranked mode now. It's got a modernized look and feel to it. And you can finally play it on a smartphone, because previously it was tablets only, so... It's yeah, that's 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 an ideal home for like yeah. any digital card game. It's like just being able to play it on your phone. But yeah, I, I'm glad it's got a, a crafting thing like that because uh, dealing with Magic the Gathering, which I I don't really oh, like their digital card game. <laughs> not that there's a lot of trouble revamping it a year or so. I mean, let me make it clear. It's great to play it. It's just that... Like the stuff around, actually. Right. So, in comparison to other card games, digital or otherwise, you need a lot of each good card to make a good deck. Mm. Because it's... Most most online card games are like 30-card decks. Uh, Pokemon's also 60, but that's a little different. Yeah. Um, six of those are immediately going off the top yeah well that and like the trainer cards which I guess would be like the quote unquote spells in a Pokemon deck they're basically are like cycle cards right they're also <laughs> universal so if you get a set of all the good ones you're done <laughs> you don't have yeah, to get it for each from, deck. From deck, deck yeah but magic it's like oh if you want a green good green deck using the current cards you need four of this four of this four of this it's just a hell of a lot more expensive and they to me they that makes it all right off the bat less competitive than the other games yeah because like the thing the thing about it is like being expensive is you know good for the company gets the yeah. money from the people who do get competitive but it does it limits the kind of person who can be competitive. right even if they're even if they know the game and know how to play properly it's yeah. like a lot of people like that just can't afford to get the deck they need yeah and unlike pokemon which okay i'm gonna buy a pack of cards you get the physical physical pack of cards and you get a digital code that, that is get still a digital pack of cards like that that should just be industry standard yes it should be that should be that would make honestly i think that would make magic make a hell of a lot more money. Yeah, because no, like, they're not going to do that. You don't, you don't want players to be picking between these two games. They shouldn't right. be competing with themselves. They should be like one one hand washes the other. Like if if you know if I've got good cards in real life and I have good cards in digital, I don't ever have to stop playing. <laughs> and like the, the the advantage of having it so that like you know physical cards can get turned into digital cards and like obviously you can't do vice versa because that's just creating card counterfeit and all that but the thing is the point you only need that to go one way because the thing that you don't need 
the thing that you need to be worried about is product sitting on the shelf. But if right. someone's buying a pack of cards, a pack of cards that's also going to be a digital pack of cards, to them that's like, oh, I just got double the cards, and you you suddenly don't have to. You have someone who's much more willing to buy a pack of cards because it's like, well, I, I kind of got double the cards that I expected yeah. that I would have got otherwise, and. In that sense, I, you know, it, it's it's an easier impulse buy than someone who's like, oh, it would be neat to buy a pack of Magic cards, but like I mostly play the the online game, so those don't do me any good. So I guess I'll just you know buy them in the online game, and then these Magic cards will sit on a shelf. Yep. Uh, yeah, not just just a lot going on there. But... Oh, but yeah, just Pokemons. Honestly, what a great year for Pokemon. Yes, it's, not, it's... And honestly, I'd be playing even more Pokemon, but uh, every live service game decided to somehow have new seasons slash expansions in a span of three days. So you have Dash to know, and what else? So Fort, Fortnite not only just launched a new season, they launched a new chapter, which means new map. Oh, that's a big one. Yes, and it's a good new map. And also nice. Doom Guy skin. Oh, so like just all the... Oh, and it's like Christmas already for you. Yes. So it's... And I told my son, because he's already heard me playing this song, playing shooters, like, oh, I can play that fucking Doom Eternal song while playing Fortnite now. This is going to be great. Well, that you said I can play that fucking Doom Eternal song to your child. Okay, I didn't say it like that. But, <laughs> but it was a fun yeah. song. Yes. Uh, also, Witcher skin, which is cool. Oh, that's fun. Geralt of Rivia. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's been fun. So Dead and Destiny, uh, and fucking Hearthstone's like, yes, not only new expansion, but we're adding another class to the game. Oh wow! Uh, I don't know how classes work in Hearthstone, but that sounds like a big deal. It's like I'm trying to think of a comparison. It's like colors and magic, except you can't mix and match. Hmm. Okay, that's, so, a, that's a big change. Yes. So, like, yeah, there's neutral cards, but your deck is mostly going to be class cards that interact, or cards that interact with your class's hero power. And this class also has some weird deck building mechanics that are kind of cool. Like, you have to pick a, you have to pick a mix of three different runes and based on which what you pick of those changes what cards you can put in your deck and i think this was this they use this mechanic as a way to kind of give death knight some powerful cards but limit the sort of deck building possibilities you have if that makes any sense hmm. like you, there's a lot of there's a lot of really powerful Death Knight cards, but you can't just throw them all together in one deck and have, like, the best deck ever. You have to decide which ones you want to use, kind of build ones around those. It's pretty cool. Hmm. Hearthstone's been um, been uh, hitting it pretty well lately, so this looks like another good one. Speaking of Active Legend, do we want to go into the... Uh... 
we want to go into the latest uh, and greatest of the ongoing saga of that uh, attempted purchase. Sure, there's a lot of shit going on there. There's so much. Yeah. Uh, there were rumblings of a potential FTC uh, lawsuit uh, regarding it, which would, like, the thing I would assume here is that even if that does happen, some form of this buyout will probably go through, but with likely some, like, some portions of the company split apart and uh, kept separate, all sorts of, like, different structures to keep uh, to try to, like, yeah. The modern U.S. government does not like stopping these kinds of things. Yeah. It's just, it's just a fact of life. Uh, so, my, my assumption is some form of this buyout will eventually go through. It's just going to be a question of Microsoft trying to uh, keep as much of it as they can get hold of. Yeah. And honestly, uh, I hate this buyout, and I also love this buyout. <laughs> it's very conflicted. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's like... I, I don't... Like, I hate buyouts like this, but I really want this company to not involve... Just have a complete executive decapitation. Yes, um, exactly. The, the thing that I look at when I, when I look at this is that... Uh, How to, how, to, how to go about this. Uh, when, I, when I look at Activision Blizzard as a company, the Activision side of it, I would argue, has, through sheer mismanagement, made it so that it honestly doesn't have very many IP of extreme value. Uh, if you take Call of Duty out of this buyout, then I don't think anyone makes a stink about it. Yeah, Even though I true. think Call of Duty is on a downturn. Because the thing about it is that without Call of Duty, I don't think Activision, as we understand it, even remains solvent. No. Like, uh, what, what else do they have? Crash Bandicoot? No. That thing that they just spent, like, that they just buried in a ditch. Uh, like, you know, they, 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 and, you know, this is partly because of how mismanaged their portfolio is that they've like they put all of their eggs in the Call of Duty basket because of the incompetence of the way that the company is run at a top level. It was basically like, ah, oh, you did well revitalizing this popular franchise that had that did well, but not Call of Duty well. So that means that you can make sure that Call of Duty continues to do well. <laughs> so uh, you have been reassigned from this thing that people like that you were working on more of, like Bob or Vicarious Visions and like you've been reassigned to trying to prop up one of our like ailing franchises that's got the name recognition and does like ten million every time. Because it's like that and Diablo. Those are those are the two franchises that they currently have as a going concern aside from World of Warcraft, which is really on uh, just in the like well, a lot of people will continue to play it essentially until they can death of the universe because it's where a lot of their social circle is. Uh, honestly, I think Hearthstone is bigger than WoW at this point. Yeah, that's probably true. But it, it's one of those things like Hearthstone and Diablo by themselves. Like if you if you bought those, it's like no one's really going to antitrust bad them. Yeah, they'll be like, oh, that's a big purchase. In the same way that like buying Bethesda was a big purchase. Yeah. Uh, on, honestly, I. Honestly, say Zenimax was probably more questionable because their portfolio was a lot more broad, and you know they themselves had already bought up large like 
you know, legacy developers like id Software, Tango Gameworks, or uh, Bethesda Softworks, like ZeniMax was honestly, I think, people kind of undersold how big of a purchase that actually was. But, you know, Call of Duty being what it is, like, that's the... That, that's, I think, the, the real root of any serious antitrust action. And so Microsoft has made it clear that they are trying... So the biggest thing that happened most recently was Microsoft, like, very publicly inked a deal with Nintendo that basically says there will be Call of Duty games on Nintendo platforms for at least the next 10 years. Like, the, the, this is them doing, like, two or three different things at once. Uh, obviously, in the, the point they want to make uh, publicly, and the thing that the message they intend to send with this is, we think Call of Duty is stronger when it's on multiple platforms because that is where its strength comes from. And yeah. we think that uh, we want it on more platforms even than Activision is currently willing to support. So we put this on, you know, Nintendo's platform, which is huge, but has no Call of Duty. Yeah. So. And honestly, they can probably, in terms of like making an argument in court, they can point to Minecraft and all yeah. the Minecraft spinoffs and what they're doing. Like with those. they're going to spend a lot of time pointing at like their other things that continue to be on every platform imaginable to show that they're good corporate citizens that can be trusted with this. And whether that's true or not is like that is one of the key points. Right? Yeah. There, there's there's a few other things that they're doing there. Like one. Obviously, you make the deal publicly with Nintendo because the game has never been on it. has not been on the Switch at all, despite the Switch being a huge success. It's one of those things that's like, uh, our resources allow this company to uh, allow this franchise to be even better than it was and be available to more consumers. See, we're good boys. The other thing is that 10 years uh, of guaranteed Call of Duty games, this is partially a PR thing, but it's a PR thing in two different directions. One, 10 years of uh, Call of Duty games is an offer that was put on the table for Sony. So by putting that offer in front of another company who very publicly accepts it, uh, it makes it like, see, we're not the problem and they're the problem. Like, that's the other, one of the other PR moves that they're trying to make here. Is that, like, they, like, we're playing fair. Like, another company, like, see, this other company that doesn't have you know, its own agenda is perfectly willing to take this deal because we're being we're being all uh, magnanimous, magnanimous about it. Uh, so that's that's part of it, and it's it's also I swear there's a, there's like a third thought that I have about what purpose this uh, serves, but it, it, it's a case of like you know it, it's meant to yeah, as a PR move it does a lot of different. And like I don't know if it'll work, but I do think that it's canny, at the very least, very. because it is one of those things that like it serves a lot of purposes. Uh, it will make it will make the money in the long term. It uh, gives the at the very least appearance of good corporate stewardship and citizenship. It's uh, it's generally like the the move to make if you want to get this through courts. Uh, they've done some other things too. There was like uh, indications of when Diablo Four is coming out. <laughs> like that, that just snaked its way out last night. Uh, oh, that's what happened. There was a leak about uh, some sort of data mine about 
uh, Diablo 4 that said that it would be available on June 5th. That seems soon. <laughs> they were always saying first half of 2023, so that would be the very end of when they were saying. Oh, okay. But yeah, th this also came about because some some outlets seem to have gotten hold of like a beta of it for some reason. Because I was seeing people talking about we played the first X hours of Diablo Four, and yeah, like I'm I'm looking at like I, I looked it up and uh, just 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 to fit uh, with the thing that you were just saying. Uh, Diablo 4, like the, the first Google result for it was an Engadget article labeled Diablo 4 hands-on, this feels worryingly good. <laughs> so it, it seems like they it seems like they put the entirety of Act 1 in the hands of the press. Hmm. So like it sounds like it'll like June absolutely sounds like a hittable date if that's the case. Yeah, so they, they, they seem to be trying to really uh, get, get things, uh, get their cards in order in order to make this purchase happen. And I'm curious what concessions they end up having to make. But it's, it's really fascinating to watch play out. Do you want to talk about the comedy news this week? And then what is the comedy news? Uh, I... I'm going to pull up the way that I put it on the social media feed that I was uh, rambling on. Uh, this is on my, my co-host. Uh, I'm only like just under 6,000 people away from being able to post. Uh, one day you will, be, you will be free from poster jail. Uh, the thing that I said in response was every time Yuji Naka gets arrested, it gets funnier. Oh I god, like that! Oh my god, I forgot about I feel that. Like he seems like a guy. If he's done more, done this more than once, he's done it dozens of times. My god, that's Which right. He's rearrested. Yeah. So, so just to be clear, I am not saying that Yuji Naka has definitely done this dozens of times. I'm just saying he seems like the kind of guy where if he's done it twice, he's done it dozens of times. Yeah. So, uh, so Yuji Naka got arrested for insider trading again. Uh, the first time was about a month ago, uh, where it was alleged that prior to Dragon Quest Tact coming out, he had gotten wind of its release because he was working for Square Enix at the time. And before the game was announced, he bought stock. He bought like $30,000 worth of stock in the company that, uh, that was given, awarded the contract to develop uh, Dragon Quest Tact. That's, uh, like, really bog-standard and brazen insider trade. Jesus. <laughs> like, there's there's not really an, a, a track covering of that. It's just, like, you bought a bunch of stock in a no-name developer just a few months before a uh, with knowledge that you very obviously would have known a few months before the, it became public knowledge that spiked their stock that they had been awarded a contract to develop a fairly sizable, important mobile game. So you'll never guess what else he was caught for <laughs> inside oh boy. on. The, uh, you, you may have heard of a little game called Final Fantasy VII The First Soldier. <laughs> it was developed by a company called A-Team. 
And did he uh, buy some eighteen stock? He bought some eighteen stock before Final Fantasy VII: The First Soldier wow. was announced. Interesting. Uh, he just he just knows how to pick a winner. Yeah, uh, clearly. But yeah, it, it's 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 weird because like it, the thing that makes it weirder to me is like thirty thousand dollars worth of stock, presumably before the before like it was thirty thousand before it uh, before the announcement. I have no idea what it was valued when he would have uh, at this point or when he would have purchased it or when he would have theoretically sold it but thirty thousand dollars worth of stock is that's a lot of money like that that's a lot of money but it's not it's it's not the kind it's not the kind of money that you do this repeatedly and then get yourself obviously caught for (laughs) it's not a life-changing amount of money not where you'll never have to work again. Like it, I mean, it would be a life-changing amount of money for me, but it's it's one of those things. Like it's not never work again money by any stretch. How could how could the the designer of instant classic Balan Wonder World do such a thing? <laughs> but yeah, uh, the the funny ends there because uh, with that, uh, seemingly developers who worked on Balan Wonder World felt more comfortable talking about what that was like and apparently the answer is that unsurprisingly he's a hellish boss <laughs> um, the the salient points being uh the the forced work of at least six day weeks and much much more brazen like like that one is like that sucks but it's not surprising the much more brazen one was the the developer Arzest was apparently instructed like he he tried to bully them badger them whatever he could he he was trying to get the game delayed and he was trying to make them work on it for multiple extra months for free <laughs> like they were like he was like you have to wow. eat the cost you must you must pay for these extra months of development and that is that is a wild thing to try to push through. And as far as I can tell, evidently it did not work. But it's one of those things. The balls on this man. It sounds like this arrest couldn't have happened to a better person. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things. Like it, it will, it will become riotously funnier every single time that it happens. And I, I'm crossing my fingers that it happens at least one more time. <laughs> God. But yeah, like it, it's one of those things. Like I, I, I've done it before, and I could do it again. I'm just going through like. It's been kind of an open secret for decades that Yukinok is a huge, on a personal level, he's a huge piece of shit. Yeah. Um, and so it's one of those things where it's like, oh, you finally did something that got you in trouble with someone that wasn't a uh, a game developer that was lower than you on the org chart. <laughs> uh, he was. Uh, he was also accused of something that's like I don't know how much currency I've ever heard this term have. It, it definitely has is a term that has uh, currency uh, when I see it like in, in translations of Japanese sources. I don't see this phrase often in English. Uh, but uh, it's accused of power harassment. Uh, which maybe, maybe I'm just ignorant and that does show up in English a lot or uh, but as, as far as I can tell, this is this is a phrase that uh, has more purchase in East Asia. But it's basically like it, it's workplace bullying. 
face of flame. Like, just being personally cruel to people because you have the power to do so. Uh, and, yeah, he, he was also accused of that, along with all the other all and sundry shitty things that he was accused of doing. Uh, and it's, it's a... It's a subject of much discussion in Japan. Uh, yeah, it seems to be... Uh, it seems to have been a phrase possibly coined in Japanese. Uh, there's, a, there's a term for those kinds of things. Uh, the, 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 I believe the term for what this kind of phrase is, where like a Japanese-conceived uh, uh, English phrase... Uh, is referred to as wase ego, uh, but it basically just means it's an English word. It's an English word or phrase coined in Japan. Hmm. Uh, and, and there's a handful of them that like people would recognize within our audience. Things like salary man, like that's one of those ones that's like, oh yeah, you don't use that in English, but it's it's a known Japanese phrase that people know what it is. Uh, but yeah, as far as as far as I know. Uh, Power harassment sounds like it might be Waseiko, but it's one of those things that like it has it, it's getting a lot of seemingly a lot of attention in Japan at this stage. Uh, and he he, uh, he has been accused of it. And again, with the stories I've heard about him, wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so yeah, uh, yeah. This is we are seeing in real time the uh, logical endpoint of being an extremely great gifted programmer and not improving in any other way as a human. <laughs> so, uh, so that's rough. But, uh, but here we are. Uh, that's, that's I think that's all the news we care about. Uh, let me quickly pop on our beamer just to be sure. Obvious that I'm missing, but yeah. Uh, I guess to bring this in line with our uh, subject matter, uh, I will I will reconfigure our headline to uh, "Programmer of those cool-looking first-person dungeons from Fantasy Star One arrested." See, it's RPGs now. There you go. Uh, oh yeah, we should talk about Romancing Saga, Minstrel Song. Yay, it's out. It's good. Back, baby. It's very pretty. Let's, uh, let's pick that up because it looks good. And if, if you have the need, there's an Asian physical edition that's very nice. Sorely tempted. Sore tempted. Yes. Uh, oh yeah, there's a there's some potential tales of news. Oh yeah, there was some kind of. Um... They filed a trademark for something called Tales of Arise Beyond the Dawn. And no one's quite no sure, one's sure what, what that is. Because like, there's the there's the. Uh, hopeful possibility of like, oh, it's a, it's a sequel or expansion for Tales of Arise. And there's the much more sad possibility that, oh, it's some sort of gotcha for Tales of Arise. Yeah. Or potentially some sort of anime. 
but it was it was listed among a a group of trademark filings from uh, from Bandai Namco, uh, one of which uh, I personally care a great deal about. Uh, we love Katamari Reroll plus Royal River. Oh, yeah, fucking love, fucking love, we love Katamari. Once, yeah. once that one's out, I know you don't care about Katamari. I'm sorry, uh, but we love. If we love Katamari comes out on Switch, they can officially just stop re-releasing Katamari games because that's all the one. Like Katamari Damashii and we love Katamari are the ones that matter. The rest are just. Eh, I should like them. Fine. They involve rolling. You should like them, but I've tried to convince you many times, and you just yes. Speaking of some of the best soundtracks, all speaking of things that involve rolling, what is Monkey Ball, and should I play Monkey Ball? You know Marble Madness. Yes. What if there was a monkey and a ball, and instead of moving the ball itself, you were moving the world around? So that's what you do. Interesting. Did you not understand that, or no? That's I did not know that was it at all. I had no idea. I just look at you just saw the word monkey ball. And we're like, no, I look at this? screenshots and it's look like okay. What do you, do you roll a monkey ball through levels? And yeah, kind of. <laughs> it's just that you know the, you're you're officially you're moving the level like you the, you tilt the analog stick and the level tilts, and you use that the way that that acts on the monkey's physics in order to get it through the ball. That's kind of neat. Yeah, it was it was made by Toshihiro, no, Toshihiro Nakoshi, the Yakuza creator. Uh, it's it's one of like Sega's last like great little arcade games before uh... like they they kind of had to really pull out of doing that. It's like a, the the first Super Monkey Ball was a uh, was a GameCube launch game. But it was preceded by a game just called Monkey Ball that was an arcade game uh, that used like these little banana controllers. And it, it's, it's a cute little thing that you know it, they're very arcadey because like the idea is like you always have a timer of like sixty seconds. You just need to get your monkey through the goal by the end of those sixty seconds. Mm. Uh, and in the most recent one that you're probably looking at, considering. You can also put like Morgana in a ball or Kazuma Kiryu in a ball. Nice. So. Yeah, I just saw it on clearance at GameStop and was curious. Yeah, that version has a ton, a ton of levels. And there's the other thing that they would always do to sweeten the package on Monkey Ball was that they would have mini games like Monkey Golf or Monkey uh, Darts. You know, like all these little like mini games that you could use to just sort of you know play around with it. Uh, the, the mini games were always a fun little way to tie the package together. But yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a fun little relaxing sort of game. Hmm, I have to check it out then. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> of course, I can extemporize about Super Monkey Ball for 10 minutes. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, it's very funny to go look at interviews with Toshihiro Nagoshi in the monkey ball era because he just looks like a normal Japanese nerd. And then once Yakuza comes out, he starts like putting on a Yakuza style persona and just completely changes his <laughs> like healthy Yakuza I wonder if it'll go through a similar metamorphosis now that he's no longer at Sega in his own studio. Like he'll just turn into a different kind of guy. 
yeah. be funny. Uh, but yeah, Monkey Ball's great. Um, at least the, the the most recent one's pretty good, uh, and the old school ones are good. Super Monkey Ball Adventure, which was a PS2 platformer, is very bad. Uh, you don't need to play that one unless it's not been available in Europe, so you're safe. Uh, but yeah, um, let's see. Let's see. But yeah, I think I think we've hit all of our major, uh, all our major shit. But uh, Namco, please release We Heart Katamari or Roll Plus Pro or whatever to the Switch soon, please. And thank you. Uh, oh yeah, the other thing I saw about that that um, Tales of Rise thing was someone. Did I say that someone thought it might be a Switch port? That would be an that would be a daring thing to attempt. That would yeah. be tough. Uh, I'd, I'd be very interested in it because that would make it much easier for me to actually play it. But yeah, they have done a lot of like late Switch ports of some of their games, but uh, that would be a particularly ambitious yeah. late Switch port. But I mean, they, they made Nino Kuni two work very well. So. Yeah, and that that is that is a game that is also that's uh, cross generational. So it's an Xbox One and Series yeah. X. So, I, I, if there's any company, if there's any third party company, I could see having the appetite to try it at this stage, and especially given how like the the, the one it, it puts me in two thought processes because you've got the one thing where it's like Namco has gotten. Like they they clearly have gotten very satisfied been very satisfied with what these late switch ports have done. Like they they seem to be pretty pretty happy with how those turn out for them. So they just yeah, keep I mean a they're, steady drip of they're doing a Digimon World port. How many years ago did that come out? Which Digimon World? The the last one from PS4. The Cyber Sleuth ones? I no, I, no, not the Cyber Sleuth one. Uh, I forget what okay, the hell it's called. Because like survive was the Switch native game. Yeah, no. It's... Next order. Yes. Yes. God, when did that come out? I forgot that happened. January twenty seventeen. Yeah, they're just coming to Switch. Yeah, I think at this point they're just like, I mean, people will buy shit on this. Just get get while the getting's good. Uh, the only thing that gives me any sort of uh, question about the whole thought is just that, like, uh, I mean, at this point, like, I can I can kind of see what that looks like, and like, if you put into it the kind of care that like Dragon Quest Eleven got, you're, like, I would I would say those are similarly good looking games, and if you make the same kinds of pairbacks, you'll get the same kinds of results. But uh, the the only thing that would make me question it is that there's so many easier tales of games to port. Yeah. Like, it would be so much easier to port, like, Abyss, or, like, the Destiny remake, or Graces, or Exilia, or any of those would be so much less of a work. I mean, maybe not Exilia or Graces, because they're, like, the versions they could be porting would be PS3 games, and maybe they're just, this is not worth the effort. Man, that's wild that you'd contemplate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's a fair thought, like, I'd be interested in that. Yeah, 
Connected to video games and arcade games. The other thing I've heard, uh, the other thing I've heard, uh, apparently the game's producer back when it came out said that there would be no DLC, no prequel, no sequel. Hmm. Uh, and so, like, well, he it's was, an he anime. Yeah, and it, well, the thing is that, like, the trademark fail, filing. When you're making a trademark filing, you have to say what kind of thing okay. you're making. Uh, and this this was trademarked as goods and services. Like that's that's a game. <laughs> it's it's some kind of game. It's just unclear what that would be. <laughs> like maybe they backtracked. Maybe they decided that they did want to do DLC. I, I think it's probably still a little too early for a sequel. It's only been out for a year and a half, and games just take a long time to make. But who knows, like, maybe they've preemptively filed this. Uh, but the other thing is that usually when they make sequels, if they want them to be treated as real sequels, they just slap a number on them. Exilia yeah. 2 or Destiny 2. When they put a subtitle on them, it usually means that they're spinoffs, like Narakiri Dungeon or uh, Dawn of the New World. Like, those were both treated, considered internally as spinoff games. They weren't like, it would be weird to do Tales of Rise Beyond the Dawn as a, like, here, here's our spinoff, I, I guess. But, like, if they're if you're talking about how you don't want to do... It's a weird thing to double back on when they are being very adamant there will not be sequels, there will not be... Like, this is a self <laughs> And, you know, plans change and maybe, like, marketing lies sometimes. They've got plausible deniability. No one could have access to the documents to prove that they were quote-unquote always planning this or whatever. Who, who can say? Maybe Arise just did better than they expected. They just want to get what they can out of it. It's been long enough that I feel like DLC is just off the table. It would have to be something that they can release on a disc. Yeah. Because the further out, the further out you get from the base game, the less... DLC already has a bad attach rate. And the further out you get from the base game, the worse that attach rate becomes. So this would, whatever this is, this would be a box product of some sort. Not the least of which because, like, there'd, there'd probably be some sort of aspect of the trademark filing about this. But, yeah. Uh, Twitchport is an interesting thought. It's an interesting thought. I'd be curious, because they usually do drop an additional subtitle, like the Prince's Edition or whatever that they call yeah. the Tiffany version. Hey, Tim. Hey, Tim. Yeah, it's it's fascinating to think what that might be. I'm I'm very curious. I'm prepared to believe it might just end up being a bad gotcha. We will see. Nice. <laughs> oh, we got the video game awards tomorrow. Maybe Namco will announce something. Namco should announce Katamari. We love Katamari. Okay. That's all that matters. That's the game that matters. Please go listen to the Katamari soundtrack again. Yeah, let's let's hit some let's hit some questions before I completely burn out. Uh, okay. Uh, we had some from Fireminer last week uh, that we haven't gotten to. Sorry for going against my promise last time, but your recent answers really make me want to ask follow-up questions. A bit of uh, pretext to look into uh, ex-military people working at Blizzard. Haven't had the chance to look into that fully. We'll get into that later. Uh, Let's see. Uh, who just popped into 
Uh, it appears to be Tam. Hey, Tam. Uh, but yeah, uh, just looking at uh, these questions, saying that propaganda works because it's what the audience wants to hear reminds me of the analysis of Red Dawn uh, was a way for Americans to victimize themselves. That's, I mean, that's true of a lot of like the nature of propaganda is often to uh, treat uh, wh whether intentional government propaganda or just like this will sell to the roots propaganda. The nature is to treat the audience as one who has been wronged in some fashion. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'll skate over some of the details of this question in part because uh, I don't run the site and I ain't got authority to go too much into politics here. But uh, with that same uh, kind of logic, can we say that the rise of military shooters has something to do with the American public trying to wrestle with the Iraq war? Yes, 100%. Once the, se the, yeah. second, that, the second that it stopped being too taboo to depict current American wars, they suddenly became about that, which is why Call of Duty went from being we always do World War II because that is a play thing that no one has a particular problem with depiction of and no one feels too bad about. It immediately turned into modern warfare and the series kind of only ever goes back to World War II now as essentially a novelty. Uh, but yeah, in, in general, like because it became something that was there it was treated as something that was very of the time you know people like things that feel fresh new and of the moment and you know it it does give a certain aspect of the audience probably a significant portion like the uh the comfort food of all the things that make real life more complicated are no longer complicated because you're playing a video game and you can feel to some extent justified some of the games have an attempt to attempt an attempt to depict nuance, but never to the point of making you feel super bad about playing as an American soldier. So, uh, we've talked about how making your protagonist a criminal in an open world is actually a pretty logical way to not have to reckon with all the illegal things you do. You can, uh, you can, you can't just kill uh, some pedestrians on the street for money and still call you a good guy. That said, the open world games that take place in a modern setting play as a quote-unquote good guy, which one does the best for justifying why you still are a good guy after committing all these crimes? And does the key lie with making the entire system running the world so corrupt and evil a la Just Cause and Watch Dogs? I don't think Watch Dogs actually worked, at least the first game, which is the one that I played, because yeah. uh, Aiden himself is such an unrelenting, miserable piece of shit that, he, that even if he has a justification, you just don't like the dude and don't feel good about playing his <laughs> Yeah, I don't uh, think I've played the new one. I don't think it really, you can really kind of go around being a criminal. It, it's more just like, because, you know, the, the concept of what is crime is contextual. It's yeah. almost always contextual to some extent or another. And what games produce a fiction that allows you to feel at peace with crime. <laughs> uh, or crime as we would understand it. Uh, and the the answer is usually... Uh, if you're depicting just a city, most of the violence is something you're instigating. Yeah, and that that becomes that, that's very hard to justify for many, if not most players. Yeah, uh, well, it's interesting. Thing, I was going to say the interesting about Watch Dogs too is it 
could compare it to like Grand Theft Auto and you can go back to Grand Theft Auto, it'll make you feel bad about killing random people since the random people in the newest watchdogs are potential yeah, watchdogs playable later. characters. Yeah. Watchdogs Legion. But yeah, uh in it, it, to, to look at it another way. Uh, it's it's a case of it's not just making the underlying system that corrupt, although that is a part of it, but it's also players generally like the morality of gameplay is much more simplified than the morality of real life Not not just by virtue of like uh, it, just as a conceptual, on a conceptual level, because of the ways you can interact with and the history you have is so limited. Like, if I, uh, you know, if I'm running around in Grand Theft Auto, uh, I, I don't have a pre-existing relationship with anyone who I can actually interact with. Like, because the people I can actually interact with are story characters. I can't do anything to story characters until the story says I can. They are off limits. The only people I can interact with are people I have no pre-existing relationship with, and 99% of them aren't doing anything to me. So all violence is inherently constructed by the player, to some to some greater or lesser extent. The game will tell you, go and shoot people, but you, the player, are still instigating that violence. In a uh, in, in the games that try to make you feel less like a villain, like you're, you're still doing criminal like actions that would be fundamentally immoral in most contexts, but uh, in games that try to make you sympathize with the protagonist, the answer is typically create more situations where someone else instigates violence and you respond to that mm. violence. So, if you want the player to be able to feel okay about all the violence they're committing, you just have the first. You just have them shoot first. And the simplified morality, essentially inherent to how we interact with video games, takes over. In real life, you would absolutely just run away in most contexts. But you're in a video game, and that's just not how you operate in these. Uh, unless the entire game is built around like danger, that force being applied unevenly to the player, the answer is almost always that since you, you know, when all you have is a hammer, everything starts to look like a nail. If, like, your primary way to interact with the world is to visit violence upon it, in order to make that violence feel okay, you center it around violence was instigated by someone else and you responded in kind. Uh, and there's there's a lot of different thing, reads that could be taken about justifying that and all that, but, you know, in general, uh, I, think the, I think the most interesting portrayal of this. I'm not even sure if I would consider this character a good guy, but the most interesting portrayal of this to me was uh, Sleeping Dogs. Anyone ever played that? Uh, not hearing anything? <laughs> what was that? Uh, Sleeping Dogs. Oh, yeah. Did you play that one? No. So Sleeping Dogs was a uh, game where you were playing as an undercover cop because that's also very common among these ones where they're trying to like give you justification for why you do things. Uh, so like you're an undercover cop, so of course you have guns and you do things. Uh, but a few, but a few things. One is that uh, 
guns were very rare to actually use in Sleeping Dogs. Uh, it was there, there, like the situations where you have an actual shootout are actually generally can shown to be unique and horrifying. <laughs> uh, for for the most part, you do you do martial arts fights, and because of the way that games have trained us to look at those, uh, those are you, you treat those as normal. And because of that, your primary mode of interacting with enemies was typically a non-lethal one. Uh, but the other thing about it was that its protagonist, Wei Shen, is kind of—he's he's walking the line between like an anti-hero and a straight-up villain because you know he's patterned after uh, the delightfully the the traditional heroes of the delightfully termed uh, heroic bloodshed films. Huh. You ever watch any heroic bloodshed? No. I don't know what that is. No. Uh, no. Uh, no hard boiled. No. That's a good movie. You should watch Hard Boiled. Yeah, uh, it's it's on my to do list. I watched it. Uh, Trouble or... in Little China. Does that count? No, no. Big Trouble in Little China is great, but it's different. Okay. Uh, but uh, no, inter- no Infernal Affairs, nothing like that. No. Uh, one of these got remade into an American movie of some description, and I'm trying to remember what it's called. Uh... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, Infernal Affairs was remade as The Departed. Oh, I hate that movie. Not a fan? Take that one either. I do not like that movie. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Wei Shen is, is imagined in that, uh, in the heroic bloodshed mold, which is just sort of like a, you know, you, the, you, you build on a very simple form of morality to do these kinds of things. And so the answer is, yeah, my guy is doing a lot of violence. Before we see any of that, we see the kind of, like, monstrousness that you're up against. And so, like, everything is given sort of a de facto, yeah, but I saw that dude, uh, and he absolutely just, like, fucking disposed of some uh, some guy's body in acid. So, not super feeling bad about shooting him in his henchman. <laughs> like, that's that's kind of the, the morality, the, the very simplistic morality of the game should have to make that kind of character work. Uh, and I think that on some level, as mentioned, Wei Shen kind of toes that line of being just uh, kind of a villain too. I think it's, it's necessary that when you do have a character that essentially must on some level revel in violence in these contexts, uh, it, it helps on some level. It, it makes them more sympathetic that they aren't trying to be super sympathetic. Because at some point it's like if you were being just if you're funny and you're fracking wise, you run into the Nathan Drake problem where it's like Nathan Drake seems like a swell guy. Holy shit, he killed how many people? Everyone. <laughs> there's there's only so much of that that you can take before the dissonance becomes impossible to ignore. Yeah. So yeah, I, I would say that my my personal. Uh, my personal favorite, if perhaps not the most traditionally heroic or sympathetic, would be uh, 
would be uh, would be Wei Shen from Sleeping Dogs, which was a tremendously underrated game. Uh, it's got, uh, I think, one of my favorite uh, mini games slash side quests I've ever seen in the game. I think I've talked about this before. In Sleeping Dogs, there is a side quest you get where a guy comes up to you and is like, can you, uh, like, I, I'm singing terribly at karaoke because I don't want to put in the effort because, like, it makes me, you know, I just, I just don't want to. My girlfriend says I'm not trying hard enough and blah, 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 blah. Can you go up and sing karaoke badly so that uh, my girlfriend will just think that all guys are bad at karaoke? <laughs> and then you have two resolutions for that quest. You can go in and like bomb the karaoke mini game and they'll like thank you and whatever and give you some cash or you can uh choose to sing the song perfectly and fuck him up real bad <laughs> but the other thing that makes this delightful is that the karaoke mini game is handled by you have the analog stick that you're moving up and down uh to sort of match with the game's like with where the game says the pitch should be if you get it wrong it, it fucks with the pitch modulation on his voice and ha- has him hitting like sour notes. And stuff. It's incredible. <laughs> and even funnier because like when he's actually when you actually are hitting the pitch right, he actually sings fucking well. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I fucking love Sleeping Dogs. Uh, that's that was ported to PS4 and Xbox One, so it's compatible with. Uh, modern systems and you can get it for like three dollars at this point so i have a copy of it yeah no excuses it's great to play Uh, and it's not even super long for a open world game it's like like 15 hours i think i knew somebody that worked at square enix at the time they sent me a free copy it's like i guess i should actually play it it's it's got a pretty great uh it's got a pretty great uh like soundtrack there's some some good shit in there uh and it's just it's fun to i, I kind of buried the lead this game takes place in hong kong uh and it's fun to play a big open world game that takes place in a city that is not american hmm. it's true it gives it it gives it oh, uh, sleep, uh, going back to sleeping dogs yeah i'm still talking about sleeping dogs oh okay uh, okay i i lost which game i heard square enix open world i'm like what the hell game is that yeah square enix published sleeping dogs for some reason but yeah, and I, I will forever mourn the Sleeping Dogs 2 that was, there was a development document made, it was pitched, and it just never happened. Uh, that would have been, that would have taken place in mainland China, and probably been very interesting. Uh, but, and it would have been co-op. Me and Wales could have had a ball with it. God damn it. But yeah, Square Enix was not interested. Uh, it would have been an extremely expensive project, so the developer just ended up folding shortly thereafter. Uh, I think they had previously made uh, one of the uh, many uh, late PS3 games that Sony left to die. Let me double check. Uh, The Sleeping Dogs was developed by United Front Games. Uh, Oh god, that's what they did. God damn it. So unhappy just looking at this. Uh, So... Do you remember late in the PS3's lifespan when Sony would uh, release a game and give it like a month worth of hype and treat it like a big deal, and then it would not sell immediately 
as well as like one of their old franchises, and they would just cut ties with everyone and immediately kill it. Yeah. So, uh, United Front's game, Front Games' first game was Mod Nation Racers. Oh. Oof. So that happened, and then Sony Oof. inexplicably they didn't cut ties with United Front. Ah, the problem is that it's not a step tied to an established IP. So, like two years later, they had to make Little Big Planet Karting, and it's like you might as well have just had to make the same game again. Why did you do this? <laughs> I don't understand. But in between that, they managed to push out Sleeping Dogs, which was a wonderful little game that deserved more than it got. And uh, they also they did some porting work as well. Uh, they were the ones that ported uh, the 2013 Tomb Raider game to PS4 and Xbox. Those are that's a, you know the best way to play that game. Uh, and they apparently ultimately did the porting work on Master Chief Collection, at least in part. Uh, they were they were a neat little developer, and now they're super super dead, like mind-bogglingly dead. Uh, Which, yeah, yeah, it hurts, but oh well. Yeah, yeah, they were they were co-developer on the Halo Master Chief Collection, and probably were the ones doing a lot of the patchwork on it. Yeah, yeah. go back and pick up Sleeping Dogs. You can get it for a song that's really good. Get Pew coming in here demanding I change classes in Destiny, which I'm actually doing for some reason. Yeah, why are you doing that? I don't know. Why not? Uh, yeah. Um. Get these last few questions. Uh, Tam asked and answered. Uh, oh, uh, Tam, you were asked, is there any fake Go fan who likes its combat system? Or do all of you just tolerate it? And I just replied, and I replied in the thing, and I'll say it again, is I have no idea. I've never even touched the game. I'm just aware of it. Yeah, I'll, I'll check in with the, the poor bastards that I knew that played Fate for like two years until the gotcha odds became so abusive that they could not continue. Um, I'll ask him about that and get back to you, Fireminer. Um, you've talked about how hard it is to preserve arcade games. Do you take the, uh, take the same about games made for promotional purposes like the Mass Effect Flash game or Street Fighter II Pocky Edition? Yeah, no, I know about that. I, like, it's one of those things like there's no there's no groundswell to make it happen and a lot of times you know games made for promotional purposes might like when you bring up Street Fighter 2 Pocky Edition there's like oh you can't re-release that unless you renegotiate Pocky even though it's a Pocky ad Pocky is going to be like oh if you want to re-release it you got to pay us for it our product is in it and it's like well who's going to do that uh, so you know you can't get uh, you cannot purchase like you'll never see a classic game re-release service that's re-releasing Cool Spot or uh, God, what's that Japanese mayonnaise game? <laughs> the what? There's a there's a video game. Uh, uh, 
the in in Japan there was a Super Famicom game uh, based off of the fucking uh, QB brand of mayonnaise uh, called Multiple Chan No Wonder Kitchen. Okay, uh, I've I've heard of that. Yeah, consumers who mailed in two rows of purchase seals uh, from the mayonnaise uh, real, uh, received a copy of the game and were entered into the, into a contest. Uh, but you know, it's it's just some it's it's mayonnaise. It's a mayo game. Although although related to this question, interestingly enough, Chex Quest got re-released. Yeah, that one's enough of a cult classic. Uh, the, this this has been allowed to happen a few times, and that's that's kind of the the only promo game I can think of where that was the case. Oh, apparently it's also free on Steam, so I'm buying it. Yeah, there's Chex Quest HD on Steam as well. Oh, by the uh, way, Hollywood has asked me about Destiny in chat, so prepare to deal with me answering that question. No, um, <laughs> but yeah, the. You know, these kinds of things, like, the, the issue is that even when the games are blatantly ads, like, you still have to uh, get into, you still have to get permission to re-release them, and a lot of times it's kind of hard to get to, to find the person within your, like, low-quality food company that's in charge of determining who gets to, who can use the license to re-release a video game from two, from 20 years ago. Uh, I mean, like, now I'm just imagining someone trying to re-release Sneak King or Pocket Bike Racer, Big Bump, and the other two Burger King games no one remembers because they weren't based around like surprising people with food. Um, there was uh, everyone's personal favorite, Pepsi Man. Pepsi Man, like that one's super good. That's that's another actually another thing that often uh, causes problems for these is they don't use Pep Pepsi Man anymore. They don't want to. They don't want. They don't. They cool. don't use Spot either. Yeah. Seven Up like, no longer used this cool Spot. Yeah, which is another reason that you wouldn't see Cool Spot come back. But it's it's one of those things like they don't use this care this advertisement campaign anymore. They they don't see value in bringing it back because it's like it's bringing awareness to a version of the brand they have memory hold. Like oh, you're not getting Pepsi Man back. Uh, or you get you get the weirder things like Darkened Sky for the game. That was a skills game that tried to hide the fact that it was a skills game. Uh, which uh, that, that one's one of those ones where it's like everyone involved was like uh, by the end of the production was like, do we have to put skittles in this? We just kind of made a game, and uh, ultimately it was like, well, we we're going to put skittles on it because license is better than no license. And now it's a case of like, well, if you wanted to re-release Dark and Sky, you're going to have some trouble because. Uh, <laughs> There's Skittles all over the goddamn game. The entire magic system is built around having different combinations of Skittles. Uh, yeah, just, just in general, the, that kind of thing. Uh, it can make it more difficult. It's a shame, because uh, Pepsi Man's a lot of fun. <laughs> Alright, I'm going right. to answer this Destiny question real quick right now. Okay. Uh, Hollywood, new Destiny season is fine. Like story-wise, it's. Did you read out the question so that people will know what? It's you're talking just about? Uh, Hollywood just asked how's new season so far in terms of Destiny. Uh, story-wise, it's definitely more interesting than the last one because it's starting to s set the stage for the big new expansion. So that's cool. 
uh, as far as like new content um, it's kind of reusing some Rasputin bunker locations I think for new activities at least I think some of them are reused uh, which is Rasputin it's the the AI that's been in Destiny since Lover Destiny the Russian Queen? yes that one um the I think the big new thing is just like the the PvP changes, like the the whole competitive new ranked competitive mode. Um but like there's a lot more craftable weapons now to get, including Deepstone Crypt, so that so that's cool. Um it's not not gonna say like it's the greatest season ever or anything because it's not but it's it's fine (laughs) it's got stuff uh, and we'll see what they add as they go along obviously the the new dungeons is kind of going to be the big thing so we'll see how that goes uh, when Mm -hmm. they put it on on friday uh but as far as just like the the seasonal activity and stuff it's fine it's not gonna blow your mind or anything but it's fine uh, it's not as neat as the pirate thing, but you know, uh, it's more interesting story-wise. I think. Not that the lot. No, I mean I really like the last one, but a lot of people seemed kind of bored with it. So, this is probably going to be more up to more, more interesting to most people. And the exotic weapon and the battle pass is pretty cool. Uh, the last, the the one in the the last season, um, see did not see very many people use so uh, and that included me so we'll the, this one seems a lot cooler so yeah there's that um, yeah uh, I will res- reserving any judgment for new content until the dungeon so well I will talk about that next week yeah, that's uh, that's that's all the destiny I will bore you with. Thank you. Thank you. Unless someone else in chat asks more questions. Don't do it. Uh, I'll um, be honored bound to answer. So uh, the the other thing I wanted to bring up about this question has been asked is that he, he mentions like promotional flash games that don't technically have uh, promotional games that don't technically that are just designed to promote other games that don't have a licensed component to it, like the Mass Effect Flash game. And of course, that that one kind of sort of answers itself. If you don't release it with the game, if you don't do it with like, oh, we're re-releasing it alongside the game it's promoting, there's there's not a lot of reason to bother. And and Uh, part of the problem with a lot of those, especially uh, because he specifically mentions Flash. Yeah, I mean, Flash Flash has been deprecated. Flash has been deprecated for years, and I'm sure he's aware of it. No, uh, well, not everyone is, uh, but yeah, Flash is not just defecated. It it's dead. It is officially dead. It no longer works. Yeah, you you can make it function on a modern computer, but it's one of those things where like it's it's full of security holes. So if you're like putting it on the website, you're basically asking to be destroyed. But, um... <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, new Destiny question. No. Um... Pu says, would you recommend the new season? Yes, yes, I would. Because I want you, because I need people to do the dungeon method, right? 
I, I would recommend it so that I can make others suffer with me. Got yes, it. Yes, um, exactly. Uh, but yeah, it's one of those things like, you know, like you, you could make something that runs Flash games as much as you can emulate anything. Like you can make something that will make Flash games work. Uh, but it's one of those things that like, it's a lot of work for very little reward. Uh, so, you know, most places it's not going to bother. Because, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, they're mostly novelties. Like, you you will see uh, fans tend to preserve this kind of thing. A lot of those people still have the files for any of these that have a uh, way to save them locally in any capacity by hook or by crook. Uh, and that's kind of how uh, a lot of these end up on, like, the Internet Archive. You can find them. Uh, but, you know, the, them working there is pretty hit or miss because their uh, Flash essentially emulation implementation is not perfect like anyone's. So, so it's, very, it's very hard to preserve. It's a lot of work to preserve them. They're often uh, full of their own sorts of issues about uh, additional rights to worry about. And, like, oftentimes they exist to, if they aren't advertising another product entirely, they're advertising another game that's already out. And, you know, like, the only time you would think to re-release those would be when you're re-releasing the game they're advertising. And at that point, like, there's so many other things to worry about that they're kind of the lowest rung of priority. Okay, I want to hit this last question before we go. Uh, what happens when a developer indulges too much in their fetish? Uh, you get criminal girls. Done. Yikes. Uh, <laughs> that's what I mean. Yeah. But yeah, uh, like because because when you when you talk about indulging too much in a fetish, you're you're specifically thinking of like in something that is at least pretending it's not pornography, like. When when it's releasing on an actual console, that means that someone's at least trying to pretend they have the plausible deniability of, no, this is an actual game that just happens to contain my fetish rather than this is a fetish game. Uh, and and the answer is that you get things like Criminal Girls, where everyone looks at it and like it would have been way less embarrassing if you just said you were making porn. Yeah, that's true. Uh, like the 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 dance where you try to get it on the store shelves much, much more lurid than the thing well, maybe not in the case of Criminal Girls That's there's a lot of lurid shit going on there but in, in many of these cases the dance of trying to get it on the store shelf is way more lurid, lurid than just making porn uh, but yeah this is just one of those things like you get uh, or you get uh, a Mega Labyrinth that was the Boob Labyrinth game yeah, one of the Boob one. Labyrinth games <laughs> Mega Labyrinth Get it because the Omega symbol. Moray Chronicle H, or whatever the hell it's called. Moeto Chronicle? Yeah, that's the one. Oh, H. Moving Souls is probably porn for someone, but I'm not sure who, and I don't want to know about um, no. Criminal Girls? Criminal Girls? I brought up, I, I brought up Criminal Girls. Oh, okay. But, yeah. oh. That was Exhibit A. Uh, and, uh... <laughs> but, but let's not. I mean, there's other. Game. I mean, look at some of the stuff Suda51 has come out with. Most of those will have scenes that are horny, but none of them is porn. But, see, the thing is, fetish does not always necessarily mean porn. You could have a fetish for gore. Yeah, I don't think Suda has a fetish for gore, if I'm being honest. 
But th there was this one game, and I forget where you're like trapped in a prison, and it was supposed to be like a multiplayer game where you would basically, and it was very gory. I remember it from an E3 preview. I, I forget what year, but like it was super gory, and like the whole point was to basically try and survive in like prison one-on-one -on -one matches. Yeah, I, I, there's a few things I think you could be thinking of, but uh, I would say that the answer that ends up coming out of this is people figure it out. Like, it's one of those things, like, these games have a stink coming off them when, when it's obvious that it's, like, someone's way too into some part of the subject matter. Yeah. Although I yeah. really, I, I will admit, I really enjoy the actual gameplay of Criminal Girls. I'll, I'll take your word. But it's one of those things that, like, whether you like it or not, it's one of those things where it's like people figure it out real quick <laughs> because it's it exudes off the game. Because uh, because you know like eventually it becomes clear that like in how it's promoted and how it's in what is actually you how the gameplay is structured. Like you look at something like the Criminal Girls the gameplay is structured to get you to this this like you're doing the dungeon crawl, but it's structured to get you to this punishment mechanic. Like that is the thing that the game chooses to loop itself around with something that is so obviously charged imagery it's like impossible to ignore so you get into something like a manhunt which might be one of the other things you're thinking of uh you get into something that like is the the gameplay loop of a manhunt is like why is this a stealth game so that you can do these like really grotesque one-to-one -one person like murder scenarios and have like something uh have the design of the game built to facilitate these happening repeatedly. Uh, like, the, the, these kinds of things, you know, the the way you structured the game to treat the, the fetishized subject as the reward vector will inevitably draw it into draw it into contention as like, oh, that's the appeal of the game. That is supposed to be what you are enjoying in the game, and everyone... And, you know, everyone else who comes in contact with it is going to pass some judgments about what you consider to be the primary point of enjoyment in your game. <laughs> like, you know, at, at some point it becomes, uh, it, it just kind of, it, it tends to take over the game. I'm now also remembering one very old visual novel H game that I saw years ago. Having to do with an apartment complex where one of the girls, every time she slapped you, you saw this plus one pop up on the screen and you would think, and I think it was just that the amount she liked you went up by one every time she slapped you. <laughs> Some huh. people aren't that. It was Japanese, so I, it was in Japanese, so I don't, so no idea what was going on. I think I can figure out what was going on. <laughs> And no, I and I have no, I have no memory of what the actual game was called. So yeah, I just, I just assume it was that, like, as is probably as is fairly common with this kind of thing, it's like, well, each of the girls is going to represent some specific, uh, like, interest we assume the player to have, and so she's the safest one. <laughs> but yeah, it sounds like Bugen yeah. Souls. Yeah, remember that thing I said about how like I'm sure that Mugen Souls is someone's fetish and I just don't want to know them? It's 
pretends to be, and it's really not. That makes it even worse. Played it yet? Yeah. But yeah, you should. I say yet yeah because I own it. Don't you should burn it in the fire. Uh, I think I own both. Moe kill it? Are you gonna moe kill it? Uh, <sighs> yeah. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that we should probably wrap it up because uh, I've been uh, podcasting for four hours. Well, um, to add on to one question from last week, because uh, and I tagged you and uh, Gaijin, is uh, oh yeah, we totally oh, you were forgot. About Toho uh, yeah, Toho Project. Like, how, how could now? I don't know if Toho Project started as a game and took on a life of its own. It did. Okay, but I mean, Toho Project has become like the quintessential random of properties because i mean there's games there's fan games there's fan games of fan games it's it's, turned it's into something just... that you can fill out your indie game with at this stage but uh yeah it's like the license on that free or something or zun who created the originals back when they were like pc 98 dojin games uh is very free about letting people use them i believe the the answer is basically if the only place you're, if you're like not a major publisher, then you basically have carte blanche with the license. Uh, if you want to get like your games on a console with like an actual corporate publisher, you still have to like negotiate with them. But I'm given to understand he's pretty open as long as you aren't like a AAA developer. Hmm. Uh, so the, the thing about like the Toho Project was a bunch of uh, like. Uh, it started as shoot 'em up dojin games. Yes, yes. Uh, it started up as uh, basically bullet hells. Yeah, it's like '90s Japanese bullet hell indie games, and there's those still come out. Those still happen, uh, but you know they they essentially became fandom meme, and so they are inescapable. I I wouldn't I I almost am tempted to say I wouldn't even categorize. Uh, Toho the same way because just by virtue of the fact that like it's not any one source that is making Toho huge it is an entire groundswell of indie creators all working within the same sandbox but it is definitely a thing that start and the, the other thing of course being that uh, the spinoffs are huge but they're still it's still uh, either like fan comics or fan games that I associate Toho with. And I don't know if that's even fair at this stage, but it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, it, it, it's definitely grown uh, outside of, certainly I think the vast majority of Toho fans probably have not played even, not necessarily none of the, I, I would say probably a fair majority, a simple majority of them probably played none of the bullet hell games, but the vast majority have probably never played all of them. A lot of them would actually probably be pretty difficult to get hold of because they were sold at comic hats in uh, numbers of like a thousand copies. But, yeah, but that, that was a good poll, and I, it's it's a dereliction on our part that we did not think of that earlier. So, uh, but yeah, we should we should wrap this up because, like I said, I've been podcasting for four hours. All right. Let's start doing yeah. the outro. Okay. Uh, since Gaijin is not here, I would like to advise you to 
keep Princesses of the Pizza Parlor in your thoughts, but don't necessarily purchase it yet, as per his instructions, because last week, with the stuff that we just put up, uh, he was bringing up that there will be an author's birthday sale in the beginning of January, where the uh, first story will be uh, available for free, I believe. I believe he was saying it was just going to be free to anyone who chose to download it. Is that, is that, is that correct? I think that was correct. Uh, check check his plug last week. You'll know he definitely knew the details better than I'm gonna. But uh, there's uh, a birthday sale coming. Stay tuned. Yeah, uh, it'll it'll be in January. It'll be in early January. But uh, and that will coincide, I believe, with the next part of the series coming out. And uh, a bunch of them will have. Uh, I think all of them will be on sale to some greater or lesser extent. I don't know the full details, but birthday sale coming. Uh, so, you know, uh, when you're in those, uh, post, uh, post-holiday blues and you just need something to pick you up, you can listen, to, you can read the, uh, adventures of actually sympathetic people playing, uh, <laughs> sympathetic children playing some, uh, wholesome tabletop games, uh, and, you know, you can enjoy them, maybe, maybe not making the best choices for themselves or their characters. Uh, yeah, and that will be available on Amazon via Kindle or Kindle Unlimited or paperback form uh, under the author Michael Yarimizu, Y-A-R-I-M-I-C-U. So give that a look. Tam, what you got for us? I stream on twitch.tv slash rpgamer twice a week uh, in the mornings, but we also have a whole host of people playing a lot of different RPGs oh, pretty much seven days a week, so... Um, so, you know, definitely come and check that out. Um, I am currently playing through Voice of the Cards while taking a break from Tales of Eternia, and then I'll go back to that, and then I have two other games already lined up because I am a masochist and have games planned out, like, months in advance. Good to have a schedule. I, I, it's... My schedule is, what do I feel like playing today? That's usually how I do things, and that's why I have a lot of games that are near complete, but not quite complete. Uh, but... Oh, and you can, of course, uh, catch us on Twitter for as long as it's still around, at uh, twitter.com slash rpgamer as well. Yeah. May it, uh, may Any it headlines rot, but... today, so that's a plus. <laughs> May it rot forever. Um, wheels. Uh, you can catch us on twitch.tv slash askwheels every Wednesday, usually around midnight, to for the recording of this very show. And um, you can catch us on Sunday Night Shenanigans, where at, also at midnight on the same channel, where we play multiplayer games, which lately has been Pokemon and probably will be again this week. Yeah, good stuff. Um, we also occasionally do uh, adventures platforming, the next one of which we'll spend some time with the newest Sonic, followed by, at some point, Pac-Man. Pac-Man. Pac-Man World of Repack. Um, Underappreciated. And you can ask us questions on, in addition to the Discord and... Um, on the website, 
on the posts for a new episode. You can get catch me on social media platforms that aren't Twitter, uh, including Mastodon, where I am at askwheels at mastodon.lol. Yes, you have to do the username and the server because it's weird open source, many different server I'm stuff. Yes, I'm a nerd and I like that platform. Um, but I will also eventually be on co-host also as Ask Wheels. Once you're through a few thousand more parts. Yes. And I also have a Hive account, but the servers for that are still down and that platform is probably dead at this point. So Rip. Uh, whatever the next one is, I will make an account. <laughs> um, but I no longer actively post on Twitter. I still check on things and reply to people. But I will not be doing posts or go live there. notifications or anything because, uh, yeah, the only way to get off that platform is to actually stop using the platform. <laughs> so I have Pretty to much. commit to doing that, and I have. So catch me in those and whatever other Twitter replacements pop up, I will check out and keep people informed. And on my. On my Twitter page will be a post which I will update with any new platforms I've moved to. But yeah, fuck Twitter. Meanwhile, I have uh, I've largely moved to posting uh, just extreme, extremely bad video game shit posts on co-host. Uh, that would be just at Pamela Mastner if you are interested in bad chin-stroking musings and occasional weird shit posts. That's uh, that's your that's your option. Um, otherwise, still working on, uh, on writing projects that uh, I am eternally in a state of, do I show this to someone? I don't want to show this to someone. But one day, lethargy will win out and it will be shown. And on that day, I will point it out and say, hey, look at it. But for now, uh, I believe that wraps us up. So see you, Space Cowboys. See ya. Oh, and check out Smoking Joe's uh, Twitch page as well. Yes. <laughs> Smoking Joe Gamer. See you, Space Cowboys. See ya. I want to be the best there ever was to beat all the rest. Yeah, that's my cause. Electro, Diglett, Nidoran, Mankey, Venator, Tata, Firo, Pinty, Sea King, Jolteon, Dragonite, Gasly, Pony, Tavaporeon, Polyrath, Butterfree. Catch em, catch em, gotta catch em all. Pokemon. I'll search across the land, look far and wide, release from my hand the power that's inside.